Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we are continuing our series discussion on ecclesiology, the study of the church. The study of the church. What is the church or who is the church? What is the function of the church? How does God envision the church? And it's my argument that our perception of the church should match up with God's perception of the church. He created it, so God has the autonomy to tell us how he wants his church constructed and how he wants his church to function. So for the last few weeks, we've touched on the servants of the church, and we talked about uh, positions such as apostles. We talked about bishops. We talked about deacons. We talked about our elders. We talked about our evangelists. We talked about our leaders. We talked about our ministers. We talked about our pastors. And we talked about uh, our prophets and those that God has called to um, foretell. We talked about our teachers. And today, we want to talk about the synergism of the church. So we've been talking about for the past few weeks the servants of the church. Now we want to talk about the synergism of the church. And by the word synergism, uh, S-Y-N-E-R-G-I-S-M, synergism of the church, how the church works together or how the church should work together. It really troubles me in today's uh, society when I see Christians arguing about secondary issues, which leads to a fraction within the church family. You've got Christians Uh, that won't talk to other Christians because of their political party. You have Christians that uh, won't embrace other Christians because of their social activism view. And uh, if, if we are to be honest, God is not pleased when there's disunity within the church. The things that we ought to be coming together on, we're not Uh, coming together on, the thing God wants us to unify on, we are neglecting it because we've allowed a lot of these periphery issues to seep into our consciousness to separate us. And the only person that is excited about disunity within the church is the devil himself. So God constructed his church to be unified under a common banner, which is rooted in sound doctrine, sound doctrine, who gave healthy doctrine that he, he wants us to live by. Synergism of the church. First Corinthians one and 10. I appeal to you brothers by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. So synergism deals with unity and agreeing on the essentials of the faith. 
you may be asking yourself, what are the essentials of the faith? We ought to be able to agree, number one, that God exists. That's number one. Number two, we ought to be able to agree that there's no other way to the Father but by the Son, Jesus Christ, which means uh, Christians can't endorse polytheism, which is uh, the belief in many gods, that, that there are many gods uh, uh, that exist. There's only one God that exists. All these other gods are demigods, and they're really no gods at all. Any god made with hands, any god made with human thought is not the real God. It's not the authentic God. We're using the label God to describe things that don't exist. But trust me, there is a real God, and he sent his son, Jesus the Christ, to die for my sins, to die for your sins. And he desires for us to uh, accept his invitation of a relationship with Jesus Christ. So we must agree that there is a God. We must agree that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And then we must agree that Jesus Christ um, came to die on a cross. And that atonement is uh, enough, meaning that Jesus' uh, sacrifice on a cross doesn't warrant anyone doing any work to try to uh, save us. There's nothing else needed for salvation. You don't have to work for your salvation. We work because we are saved. We do not work to get saved. We work because we are saved. We do not work to get saved. And, 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 and we must be clear on that. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works. It's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. Meaning that if salvation was based on our abilities, then it would, it would fall short. But salvation is based on what Jesus did on the cross. And we must, through faith, accept that and work, on the, or, or, or work through our faith to please our God. So again, Paul says to the Corinthian church that he wants them to agree and that they all must agree. We must agree that evangelism is a priority. We must agree that discipleship must take place within the church. We must agree that when we have disputes within the church, that we can all go back to the rule book, which is the Bible. We must agree that members of a church should support the church. We must agree that Christians must get involved in their community, whereas to allow the light of Christ to shine in our communities. These are things we must agree on. And the things that uh, we must agree on, the devil have used some of us to tear us apart. And that should not be. That should not be. Some of us are more uh, closely tied to activism in our politics than we do to ministry on behalf of Christ. And that's not a good thing. So the, the synergism of the church, the church should work together rooted in the fundamentals of the scripture whereby we uh, uh, share the gospel to those around us so that Christ may be glorified. Ephesians 4 and 3. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Again, that goes that word unity. Paul is eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace and he wants 
uh, those in, uh, uh, in, in Ephesus to do the same, to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of, of peace. Uh, unity of the spirit, meaning that the, the things that the spirit places on our heart are the things that we are doing. And, and, and those in Australia who are Christians, the spirit is speaking to their hearts in the same way that the spirit is speaking to our hearts here in America. So it doesn't matter what continent you find yourself on. As a Christian, we, we have the same spirit who's speaking the same language, and he's speaking to your heart that we all must come together. We all must come together and agree that the Bible is the inerrant word of God, meaning that the word of God has no error. We have what, um, what the apostles wrote. We have God's word to humanity. Uh, we're not looking for another divine word. We're not looking for another uh, a scripture. We have everything that we need. The canon has been closed. So as a church, a healthy church, looks at the word of God and makes it a priority. The way that we elect officers, we must make sure we look at the scriptures to make sure that we are in alignment with what God's will is. The way that we treat one another, we must make sure that our behavior is consistent with what the scripture is saying. You know, it's, it's, it's radically uh, uh, different for an individual to say they believe in God, but yet refuse to forgive. That doesn't bring about unity. Just because we forgive someone doesn't mean uh, the hurt they caused, doesn't mean that the sin they committed uh, makes them perfect. It doesn't mean it, 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 we, we, we condone the act. You can still love someone and reject a certain act. We can still love someone and reject a certain behavior. So God wants us to forgive. And when you forgive, it doesn't mean you agree with the hurt that they cause. It just means that you have forgiven them just like God forgave you. You take them off the hook of your so-called righteousness. Where our righteousness ought to be found in God. And God treats us the same way in the sense that God, when he forgives us, he's not constantly bringing it up and, and reminding you of how bad you were. And, and even though we, we have messed up, even though we transgress, God still loves us ontologically. So it's important that we unify over the most important things. The most important things are the proclamation of God's word. The most important things are to uh, seek what the Bible says about the things in our lives, what the Bible says about our marriage relationship, what the Bible is saying about our singleness, uh, what the Bible is saying about parenting, what the Bible is saying about uh, saving money and spending money and investing money, what the Bible is saying about our finances. Those are the most important things in this life. It all points back to God. What is God saying to the church? What is God saying about how we ought to uh, treat individuals that we disagree with? Just because we may have a difference of opinion when it comes to what topics or what subjects are being taught in school, we as Christian, as the Christian family, should not fall out. And the devil has made his way into the homes and into the churches 
um, of a lot of uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And that should not be. Rightness is not based on race color. Rightness is not based on class. Rightness should never be based on those things. What's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. And God is the transcendent mediator. God is the transcendent mediator. The world, this world, have done a very good job uh, through the influence of Satan himself of creating boxes for us that God didn't put us in. I'll say it again. The devil himself has done a very masterful job of putting Christians, those who profess to be Christians, in boxes that God didn't intend for you to be in. So when you clothe yourself in saying, well, I am of this particular um, uh, religious party. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a part of this particular political party. What does that mean? What does that mean? If you are part of this group, are you willing to praise them when they do right? And are you willing to condemn them when they're doing wrong? Or are you caught up to the point that you're willing to compromise the things that God has told you is wrong? So unity is the key. Unity is the key. And when when the church is unified, when the church is unified, the world sees that unification. The world sees it. This is why they were called the people of the way in the first century. The people of the way, those that were teaching others about the way to heaven, those that were teaching others about the way to have a relationship with the true and authentic God. Those were the people of the way. And we are also the people of the way. Those of us that know Jesus, those, those of us that believe in Jesus, we are the people of the way. This world needs to know the way to Jesus. They need to know the way to an eternal life. They need to know the way to joy. They need to know the way to peace. And we have it right here in the Bible. So let's not get distracted. God urges us to be unified on the things that matter. We should not be thirsting after unrighteousness. We should not be thirsting for popularity. We should not be thirsting for how many likes we can get on our social media. We should not be thirsting for people to lift us up. We should not be thirsting for uh, us to be uh, revered in, in certain circles. That's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about lifting the Savior up. And when we lift the Savior up, he gets all the glory and we get none. And that's how it should be. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I therefore, this is Paul talking, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. This is our mantra as Christians. We are one. We are one. The same gospel that was preached in the first century over 2,000 years ago is the same gospel we have today. We're preaching about the one God. 
We're preaching about the one faith, and we should be preaching about the one baptism. Baptism of the Spirit, which comes from knowing Jesus Christ. All of us have the same access to the same Christ, to the same God, to the same dunamis power that he rose up in. So it's important that we as Christians learn our position, the functionality of the church, if we are going to be effective in our communities, if we're going to make an impact in our communities, if, we're, if people are going to see the light of Jesus through us, we must learn how to get into that word and find out what God's will is for our lives. And if I'm doing it and you're doing it and sister so-and-so is doing it and brother so-and-so is doing it, then people will see the consistency in the lives of Christians. Let us not allow certain political groups, whether to the left, to the right, to the middle, it doesn't matter. We can't allow politics to um, siphon our light. We can't allow politics to distract us from the true calling, which is uh, to be about God's business. Our whole existence is to keep working until the Messiah comes back. Let's not be distracted by the left or the right, the red or the blue, or the middle. Let's not be distracted. Am I saying to not get involved in politics as a Christian? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, if you are called to get involved in politics, don't compromise your Christian ethics. Don't support things that you know are, 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 are blatantly contradictory to the will of God. Then secondly, if you are involved in politics, let love reign. If you love individuals or if you love someone, it's very difficult to uh, to create and to administer ad hominem attacks against them. Let me say it again. If you love someone, it's very difficult for you to personally attack them and not deal with the issues. What's the issue at hand? Let's take each issue as a church, as a local church, as a global church, let's take each issue and compare it by the word of God and sift it by the word of God. And let us not fall out as a church family because of the secondary issues that we're dealing with. The primary issues, all of us must agree. Those cannot be compromised. The primary issues such as um, the way to salvation, the primary issues such as is the Bible, the authentic word of God and, and, and uh, is it without error? Uh, the primary issues are salvation by grace through faith and not of works. Those are primary issues. And we as Christians must learn to, uh, uh, to unify on the primary issues and to not allow the secondary issues to tear us apart. In the essentials, unity. But in all things, we must have charity. John 17 and 21 that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they all also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And that's what the world needs to see. The world needs to see that we as Christians are talking to the same God, are empowered by the same Spirit, the same Holy Ghost, and uh, are on the same trajectory. The Christian church if we listen to God, if we study the Bible, 
then there are some consistencies across the board, some similarities that we will see that God has endorsed. And the reason why is we see uh, the similarity is because we serve the same God. We have the same faith and we've gone through the same baptism. So the church, the synergism of the church is all about unity. It's all about the oneness. Yes, we have our own differences as it relates to culture, but we can't allow our rich cultures to tear us apart. That, that has nothing to do with God's will for us as a global and local church. Uh, we have differences as it relates to uh, customs and manners and, uh, uh, and the things that we celebrate. Nothing wrong with those things if we put it in its rightful place. Then uh, nationalism. Uh, there are those who are caught up in their nationality. Nothing, nothing wrong with embracing your nationality long as it doesn't usurp your Christianity. So uh, uh, we have to be careful in how we allow God to work with us to lift him up through our actions, to lift him up through our conversation, to lift him up through our literature, and to lift him up in our philosophies. So that's what God is calling us to do. He's calling for us to turn our heads toward him as a church that he may use us in a mighty way that ultimately people may hear the gospel and have an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ. That, that's what the church should be focused on. We are unified that God may be glorified. We unify ourselves under the banner of the things that are important, not the things that we have, we, we're trying to make important that has nothing to do with God's will, but the things that God says is a priority, we need to make it a priority. These things are important. The foundation is to know your doctrine. Not only the doctrine, but the healthy doctrine. We need to know sound doctrine. And sound doctrine basically means a healthy doctrine. The doctrine that won't make you sick. Not false doctrine. Not those things that are distracting us. Let us look to the healthy fountain of God's word as churches. So that we may allow God to do what he wants to do in the lives of hurting people. There are so many people hurting, but too many of us as church people, too many of us as so-called Christians are not paying attention to what God is telling us to do. God wants all of us to become spiritually attractive. He does. He wants, he wants me to become spiritually attractive. He wants you to become spiritually attractive, and he wants to use us as instruments to be light, in a darkened world. And that's what the church should be about. We should be about unity and we should be about oneness. And the only way we're going to get there is for all of us to make the Bible a priority. And we'll talk about um, the the, the whole concept of the synergistic church in the next episode. Well, our time has come to an end. We pray that you've been blessed. Uh, We pray that Uh, You continue to live for Jesus, and we thank you all for praying for Sound Reasoning Radio Show. We thank those uh, that have also uh, agreed and and been open to become uh, partners with us through giving. If that's you, and please uh, consider uh, giving to Sound Reasoning Ministries 
Uh, you can uh, give your donation or write it out to Sound Reasonings, P.O. Box 582-306, uh, Elk Grove, California, 95758. You can also go to our website. Remember to always do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free story behind podcast. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.